Right, so this is our uh, ongoing discussion of Simon Don's individuation in light of notions of form and information. Uh, we're starting from page 235 of the translation, and we're still in, we're in part two of the book on vital individuation. So we saw last time uh, Simon Don's criticism of the, the notion of adaptation, especially in relation to the work of Kurt Levin, um, who um, was a Gestalt psychologist, if I'm not mistaken, worked in the U.S., but was originally German. So Levin's theory of action is based around this notion of field of force. So action would be structured in response to forces in, in the environment. So uh, the situation of uh, an organism or of a person in particular it would be structured in relation to uh, certain elements of the environment uh, as goals of, of action and other elements would be obstacles. And then so the, the goal would have a, an attractive force and the obstacle would have a repulsive force or uh, some sort of uh, blocking uh, force in the environment. Simone criticism of this count has to do with the way that, uh, as he argues this account sort of presupposes what it's supposed to explain so the the coherence of of the environment or the fact that the whole environment the environment makes up a, a whole in which the organism appears uh, is is presupposed by this theory so rather than giving an explanation of what it means for an organism to to have an environment uh, and to be oriented towards uh, different aspects of the environment. Uh, the theory presupposes the the existence of this total environment and uh, the compatibility of the different elements of that environment. And so, what Simondo wants to present as an alternative to this to this theory is an account of action in which the the possibility of action doesn't precede the action itself. So there's nothing like a, a pre-existing set of structured, a pre-existing structured environment in which the action appears. So he, he uses this notion of a path. So there, there isn't something like a path through the environment that pre-exists the action. Rather, the action is an event of individuation of the environment and the organism at the same time, so that this path appears together with the action. And, and so there's a, a transformation of the of the subject and of the environment at the same time that they both undergo this individuation process. Then the last little bit that we left off with is, um, so Simon Don argues that the uh, that Levin's theory, uh, the the field theory, is operating with a notion of stable equilibrium rather than metastable equilibrium. And so, in a stable equilibrium, there's no there's no more possibility of transformation of the system. All the potentials have been used, and and the system is at its lowest energy state. Uh, whereas in in a a state of metastable equilibrium. Uh, the the system is in equilibrium temporarily, but it retains the potential to undergo further transformations and to perform work. So it, it retains that potential energy. And uh, and so for Simon Don, action has to be understood as related to uh, a system uh, in a state of metastable equilibrium rather than stable equilibrium because the action is a transformation and so the the potential um, the potential energy has to be present in the system for that action to occur. Okay, so that's where we left off and um, I'll pick up from the bottom of page 235 for those who are following along. Um, okay. 
To account for the activity of the living, we must replace the notion of stable equilibrium with that of metastable equilibrium, and we must replace the notion of good form with that of information. The system in which the being acts is a universe of metastability. The preliminary disparation between the perceptive worlds becomes a condition of structure and operation in the state of metastable equilibrium. The living being is what maintains, transposes, prolongs, and sustains this metastable equilibrium through its activity. The complete universe only exists so long as the living being enters into the axiomatic of this universe. If the living being is removed or disengaged, the universe breaks down into perceptive worlds of new disparates. The living being, which enters among these perceptive worlds to transform them into a universe, amplifies the singularity that it bears. Perceptive worlds and the living being individuate together into a universe of becoming. Only this universe of vital becoming can be grasped as a veritable total system, but it is not given all at once. It is the meaning of life, not its condition or origin. Goldstein has indeed indicated the meaning of this systematics on the whole, but by treating it as an organismic unity, he has been forced to, to a certain extent to take it as a principle and not as a meaning, whence the Parmenidean aspect of his conception of being. The whole is given at the, at the origin, such that the vital becoming is difficult to grasp as an effective dimension of this systematics. The structure of the organism would be understood better at the level of perceptive worlds in Goldstein's theory than at the level of activity, properly speaking. Holistic dominance is at the beginning, such that totality is the totality of the living being, rather than the totality of the universe, including the living being inserted through activity into the perceptive worlds that have taken on a meaning for the becoming of this activity. Sensory systems are difficult to think in their relative distinction. However, the structural and functional distinction of the senses is the basis for action, insofar as they are a basis for the significations residing in the pairs of forms that are the only ones starting from which information can exist. Sensibility, the plurality of sensations, therefore cannot be unified under a global function, since this plurality is the foundation for future significations as a plurality of points of contact, based on which significations will be possible during the course of further individuations. So this is a, a fairly dense passage, but uh, let's try to go through sort of in order and, and see what we can get out of it. So the, the first bit is on metastable equilibrium, uh, as, as I mentioned in the uh, introduction. So the, in, in accounting for the activity of the living, so the capacity that living beings have to perform actions in the, the proper sense of the word, we have to use the, the notion of, of metastable equilibrium, as I mentioned. Uh, and then the second thing we have to do, or the second replacement that we have to carry out is that we have to replace the notion of good form with that of information. So good form here is the notion drawn from Gestalt theory, according to which uh, perception would be a kind of seeking of equilibrium so that uh, a form like a square or a circle or um, other sort of simple forms would be an equilibrium state of of perception, and then more complicated forms uh, or less good forms, uh, forms that don't have this property of, of, of being good forms, those, those forms would be uh, states of tension or states of disequilibrium, and, and there would be a tendency towards, towards the equilibrium so that the, the complex forms or the forms that don't have this property of being good forms would always tend towards the good form as their sort of resting point. And Simondon has 
uh, I think we've seen this already in previous passage. He, he criticizes this notion um, precisely because it, it's a notion of equilibrium. Um, so the the good form on this account would be would be something that is a is a state of equilibrium, and and thus there would be no possibility for further transformations on the basis of. Uh, of a good form. And so he argues instead that we have to use the notion of information. And so here, you know, the, this notion of information is is one of his key notions. And there are a few different meanings that he uses. He uses the term in a few different ways. But here he's thinking, as far as I can tell, he's thinking of what he sometimes calls primary information or or he'll sometimes describe it just as information, but in contrast to uh, information signal. So here, information means the capacity for a system to to undergo structuration. So in accounting for the activity of the living being, we have to we have to use this notion of information. So we have to understand the living being as something that is capable of undergoing structuration rather than as something that seeks a good form uh, in the sense of a stable equilibrium. So the next bit here, is about the well so he uses this term universe and in this passage of the book here uh in in this section he makes a contrast between universe and worlds so he describes perceptual worlds so each sense modality would have its own worlds and there would be different worlds for in in relation to different behaviors of the organism so he uh, a little bit earlier he talks about there would be a world in relation to prey uh, a world in relation to uh, a sexual partner um, a world in relation to food predator etc so all the different aspects of the environment that an organism can respond to in its behavior, uh, each of those aspects would um, would constitute a, a distinct world. Uh, so there's a, a world for each um, aspect. But then the universe is a unification of multiple worlds. In perception, when we, when we perceive an object, we're unifying multiple different sensory worlds. So the, there's a, a disparation of those worlds in the, the way that they're initially given. So we have different different responses to a possible object, um, whether it's a, a fear response and, and running away from it or, or grabbing it or eating it or whatever, uh, other possible responses. So each of those responses forms its world. Uh, but then when we perceive the object as such, we are uniting those disparate um, worlds and so that's that's what the universe is so it's the it's insofar as a living being unifies different perceptual worlds in its relation to an object that that's the universe so as he he sets it out here the the universe is sort of coordinate with the living being so it's only it's only in in relation with a living being that there is something like a universe, perceptual worlds, which are related to the the, the living being's behavior. And then, so this uh, this universe, what he describes as the universe of vital becoming. So this uh, universe uh, as something that undergoes the process of individuation is this universe is is the only aspect that is uh, yeah. So Simon Don. Uh, Simondo is presenting this notion of the universe as the the unification of uh, of multiple perceptual worlds. The universe is is a, a whole or a totality, but he, as he specifies it here, it's not all given at once. So it, it's not like it's not like there's a, a universe which is uh, sort of present and and then 
everything would sort of derive from that universe uh, in in like a in a straightforward way. What instead is happening is the the universe is the is undergoing uh, individuation together with together with the organism as well. So so rather than having something like the universe being given all at once, the universe is being is given it, through its history or through its process of individuation over time and over the course of this process of of genesis. In that sense, it's not given all at once. And and this is his uh, his criticism of, of Goldstein is that he he argues that Goldstein takes this universe to be um, given all at once at the beginning of a uh, a process of uh, development or of behavior, and and then everything um, everything that follows is is just a sort of consequence of this principle that is set out at the beginning. Uh, this uh, universe as the the uh, totality or as a whole. It's only the the following forms of of behavior. Um, so in, in this in this account, the the actions of an organism are just all. Sort of derived from the um, the structure of the the universe in which the organism uh, appears, and there's nothing like um, uh, the way that there's this appearance of a, a new dimension um, in the in Simonon's account, um, as we've talked about in in previous weeks, where, where the disparate the two disparate retinal images are unified uh, through the invention or discovery of a third dimension. Nothing like that can happen uh, on Goldstein's account. Oh, the, uh, as you said, it is quite intense, the part, just the two paragraphs, but it says lots of things. And then particularly, uh, for me, I'm really happy to get to know like Goldstein theory, in addition to Gestalt theory, even though like Gestalt theory like uh, mentioned the last, last week, and like Parmenidian, Parmenidian, like a philosophy, uh, I, I think, we, uh, except for me, everyone knows like uh, Parme, Parmenidius, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce properly, like the uh, philosopher Pre-Plato. So, so these all like, uh, I mean, open my eyes like in, in, in a different way. Because like, particularly Goldenstein theory and then Parmenidius and then Gestalt theory, uh, these are all kind of like um, the basis of the Simongdong's theory, right? So uh, basically, Simongdong, um, this idea based on these pre-existing ideas, and then he, um, the difference between him and then him and then um, Goldstein's theory, that that's kind of point I think we should think about, even though. Um, so, sorry, how can I call your name non non manifest? How can I call your name non or non manifest or manifest? Uh, any of those are all fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, you 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 uh, explained like um yeah brilliantly like the uh, kind of possible di distinctions um among the theory from Goldstein's theory um but um. For me, my, myself, I think I, I need to like think of a more. Um, and then going back to the information, uh, always like it. Um, I was a struggle. I was struggling with 
uh, to clarify the meaning of information in Sumangdongdu theory, along with the, the concept, the notion of event. And then here, really clearly defined that, that information is a system in which the being acts is a universal metastability. As you, as you, uh, uh, no manifest, as you said, this information for Sumangdongdu uh, is it kind of different from like information uh, we we were using as a as a word? So it's kind of more like a organization, a system, a kind of like a, some kind of frame which uh, makes possible uh, it uh, which makes makes it possible for uh, a human being, like individual, to experience like a transformation. So it's like a frame, right? Like it's not, so normally like um, information is like the content, like uh, which um, it stimulates a person to, 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 to act or to think or something like that. But here, it's much more like the form. Yes, yes, I think that's right. So um, he, he does always relate the notion of information to the notion of form. And uh, we, we can see that in the, the actual structure of the word information, like the word form is, is part of it. So information, the, the sort of literal meaning is of uh, a form being uh, imposed on something or, or something having a certain form. But the way, so the way Simon Dong uses the term, um, he, he wants to distinguish his usage of the term from the, the notion of uh, information in in the theory of communication or the theory of uh, the mathematical theory of information. In in information theory, you look at information with relation to um, to uh, a signal transmission. So you you have um, a, a emitter on one end of a uh, I don't know a radio emitter or a, a one end of a cable or whatever um, system you have that transmits information. So you have an emitter. And then you have a receiver on the other end. The the sort of um, big picture is that the the emitter can be in uh, a certain number of states. If your if your source if your uh, source of information is say flipping a coin, you have two states, um, and then you want to transmit the information about what state what what state the coin is in to the receiver. Uh, so that means your channel has to have at least two states in order to be able to transmit the information of the uh, of the state of the coin. And uh, and so there there's a, a certain minimum capacity that a channel has to have in order to be able to transmit information about the, the state of the source. Uh, but the, the sort of downside of this account of information for, for Simon Don is that it it only um, it only ex accounts for or explains the transmission of information, but not the actual generation of the information in the first place. So how is it that you have some sort of structure that is uh, that can be transmitted uh, in the first place? So why, why is it not the case that um, the situation is unstructured or, um, or uh, lacking in information that can be transmitted? So in, in another text, which is an annex to this book, which uh, if we get to the second volume, we can read, uh, it's called Form Information Potentials. Uh, so in that text, he, he gives a sort of example of this um, when he says that if you, uh, if you take a, a bucket of sand and dump it on a desk 
uh, and then you take a picture of that pile of sand on the desk and you want to transmit it, the location of every grain of sand on that desk uh, is a huge amount of information. So transmitting that picture requires a very high, very high fidelity or, or high definition um, image to, to be able to locate each grain of sand in its uh, position on the desk. But then on the other hand, if you, um, if you want to transmit an image of a, of a square, um, all you have to do is say the square is, uh, you know, so many centimeters wide and it's so many centimeters away from the edge of the screen. Uh, you just have to transmit, um, you know, maybe three pieces of information uh, that specify the, the location and the size of the square. Um, and, and then the person on the other end can, uh, can reproduce the square exactly as it appears on, on your side. So the, the pile of sand on the desk is completely unstructured, but it contains a lot more information in the sense of information transmission than the case of the, the square that you're trying to transmit, which contains a very small amount of information in terms of transmission. Um, and this is a sort of, it seems sort of a paradoxical concept like this completely unstructured mass of sand piled on a on a table is uh it, it, you know in a, a sort of um intuitive sense we would think that it has less information it conveys less information than um uh something structured like a square um and and so simondon wants to um have an account of the way that the square uh has has a, a higher um, what he calls attention of information or um, this this alternate notion of information in which the square would have a, a higher uh, qualitative value of information um, than the the pile of sand and the way he wants to um, explain that that higher tension of information is that the square has the capacity to uh, to structure something that is previously unstructured so the the receiver the person on the receiving end um when they receive the square their their perceptual situation becomes structured in a way that when they perceive the pile of sand the it doesn't um there's there's no um structuring of the perceptual situation in that case this notion of information as simondon uses it is has to do with the capacity to uh perform structuration so something uh, has a high tension of information to the extent that it is capable of bringing about the structuring of uh, a domain that is previously unstructured. Uh, and and here we we can think of the uh, the crystal example that he uses uh, over and over again. Um, so the 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 germ uh, the germ crystal brings about the the structuration of the whole solution. In, in its crystallization, and and so the the information of the um, contained in that germ is amplified and and structures the whole domain, and some some process along those lines is what is what we should think of when when we when he uses the term information. So we should always think of uh, some sort of uh, germ or or a singularity which is amplified so that it structures a whole domain. Yeah. Quite interesting about your explanation. Like I think, like you, you brought like the example uh, from the, the 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 another part of his book in order to explain 
that is not the fact of form. I think uh, Simon don't propose that kind of uh, example, but that lacks in a way, like I think, a spatiality. Well, spatiality, should I say that kind of way? It, it's not the matter of like a, just a frame versus like uh, uh, in terms of information, that's not the, uh, just like a thing of in, uh, frame. What I understood from your explanation is like uh, information here is like form plus meta, which has in terms of objective points of views. So in the case of the sense, that can be seen when it's like a sprinkled on the on the table, like in uh, in the kind of a square frame. Uh, it can be seen. It can be seen uh, in a different way, like. Uh, here, like for for set for the sand itself, you could you could perceive its positionality in itself, and then and then like as observer, we also think something different, something like that. So here, point here is that it, that that may be good example, but at the same time, it lacks some kind of points, I think, and then I. Think information here is kind of the system. System maybe like it includes the meaning of like it's not just this this the form or frame. It's more than that, which it has like uh, variables which makes possible the the an an, an an agency agent agent to like to keep transforming itself. What about that? Yeah, that that. Capacity for transformation is definitely built into his his concept of information. It, it always has to do with uh, information in the specific sense that he uses the term is always uh, is always relative to uh, a capacity for transformation. So it's only because the receiver of a message is capable of undergoing a transformation that they can actually receive information in the standard sense of the word. So in in the sense of communication. And, and so the sense of the word that he wants to, the, the sense of information uh, in the way that he wants to use the word is always, should always be understood in conjunction with the capacity for transformation. So it's the capacity for something unstructured to become structured. And, and, and so that's what, um, that's how we can sort of define information in, uh, in Simon Don's vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. And also thank you, like, uh, for pointing out, like, that also has to do with information theory, which is a, uh, um, I'm a receiver. I mean, I mean that that kind of like a diagram I can think of, like something is coming in, something that comes in, and then something comes out. You you are talking about that kind of thing, right? Like, as an information theory, and that, that also the part of I mean I mean help like me to uh, form the uh, idea of the information. Yeah. So his his notion of information is uh, is different from the information theoretical one. So the the one that that is used by information theory. But he he wants to sort of base his theory on the the theory of information and extend it to um, to not just the the signal that's transmitted, but to um, to the the capacity for generating information that can be transmitted in the first place. So the, the generation of structure um, before transmission. Yeah, that's one of the key notions of the book, this notion of information, I mean, it appears right in the, the title. So we'll, we'll keep 
um, sort of coming back to it as we as we go through the book. Uh, so here, in relation to a living being, he wants to use the notion of information to account for the living being's capacity to perform actions. Uh, and so, an action is uh, a, a sort of structuring of the whole system that includes the organism and its its environment. And and so information here um, has the the role of uh, bringing about the the structuring of that whole system. Uh, so there's uh, this disparation of uh, the different perceptual worlds is the sort of initial state, uh, and then there's the appearance of um, of the universe as the unification of these disparate worlds, and uh, this unification is a is a process of uh, of individuation, which brings about a, a structuring of what was previously unstructured, uh, and so it it has this this character of uh, information because because of that. Yes, actually, actually, I I also like uh, um, ask and then the talk about I mean, want to like uh, get some ideas from you like about the Goldstein theory, but we can we can go further and then maybe we can come back like the uh, Goldstein theory or something like that. Yeah, I um, I don't really know Goldstein um, except for what Simon Don says about him. I won't be able to answer a lot of questions about that, but I, I can I can uh, help to explain what Simon Don is doing with with um, with Goldstein. But I, I don't know Goldstein's work uh, sort of directly. Actually, the book you shared like uh, a little bit different aspect of Goldstein theory. I just like quickly I searched the, like the link, and then you can download the paper of the guy. Like I, I don't know his name, but anyway, so this this person Golden theory. I mean, very interesting. word from the paper is that self actualization? If that is true, I think really, I think really, Simongdong um is based on like Golden theory. I mean. Kind of a big influence, I think, in a way. Uh, I mean, really quick research and Google tells me like Golden's theory maybe like has to do with some kind of ling language or linguistics something. But the idea of self-actualization and then the the conditions of it and then that that's quite interesting. And then maybe um, yeah, I I I I might read more and then make it make some kind of. Uh, share some ideas maybe next time. Yeah, that would be great. Um, because as I said, I, 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 the only other um, bit on Goldstein that I know is um, via um, Merle Ponty, um, who, who cites Goldstein um, uh, at certain points. And, and so I think um, one of the sort of key notions that Goldstein uh, or key arguments that Goldstein makes is that when you're looking at um, the behavior of, of people that have suffered uh, um, neurological damage of some kind, um, you know, there, there are, depending on what type of um, damage you have to, to your brain, there are certain types of actions that you aren't, aren't um, able to perform anymore uh, or you can't perceive things in a certain way anymore. Um, and but but uh, Goldstein argues that in in understanding uh, the behavior of uh, a person that has suffered neurological damage, you can't you can't just sort of um, subtract the functions. You can't just say that their um, 
similar to uh, a person without this injury and then but just uh minus the certain capacity to uh uh to perform a certain type of action or or whatever it is you have to look at the whole structure of behavior um and the 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 actual behavior that results um is a sort of uh um is a sort of effort of accommodation on the part of the the person who has the injury uh so there's um it's not just uh the the behavior of that person is not just the behavior of someone without an injury and then minus certain capacities but it's an actual restructuring of the whole system of behavior in a way that allows them to um uh sort of work around their uh the injury and the um uh the inability to perform certain behaviors they they develop uh strategies to uh to work around these uh these obstacles uh and so yeah this notion of of the the whole system of behavior or this uh uh totality of behavior i think is is the the notion that simondon is um working with uh he he sort of takes up from goldstein but also um criticizes the way goldstein makes use of it and, and he wants to um develop it in a different direction mm-hmm. right right what what you said just said is like uh, there's no uh default default like there is no given given form of a behavior it's it's quite interesting like you mentioned that like reconstructing the behaviors it's not minus the thingy. So something like, uh, wow, this is structuring, restructuring. That Yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah, and uh, I know that, I mean, it's something that I have looked at a little bit, but not a lot, but like, um, you know, the the types of, um, you know, there, there are different types of uh, neurological injuries and depending on what area of the brain or, or of your nervous system is injured, you, you have different types of, uh, uh, deficiency that that appear um but um there is uh there's definitely a tendency for um neuroscientists and, and people studying uh studying these types of brain injuries to um to sort of assume that uh that you can just like subtract the uh the behavior um uh, you can just say that um the the person with the injury is uh, is just uh, like they were before the injury, except without behavior A, B, and C, or something like that. Uh, and and so uh, having a, um, a, a a better idea of the relationship between different behaviors and uh, the whole structure and the way that that structure changes uh, after an injury, I think, is a um, is probably necessary to have a, a better account of of the behavior of, of people after that the brain injury. Um, but uh, yeah, so we've we've been on the these you know two paragraphs that we that we read um, um, a while ago. Uh, so we've we've just been sort of working through some of these ideas because they're very dense um, paragraphs. But uh, I do think we should try to move on to the next bit. Um, if someone else would like to read, starting from subsection three, we can go through like a page or so and then discuss that. Yep. Uh, if you, if you, is there, 
Is there anybody who wants to read? Like, otherwise, I, I can read. Can 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 do. Yeah, um, I'm gonna tell you. Go ahead. Uh, oh, are are we going to do it right now or? Uh, no, yeah. it's okay. Go ahead. Uh, okay, okay. Then I'll do first, and then. All right. Uh, please, please just start me somewhere. Uh, it's sure. the wrong yeah. paragraph. Uh, limits of individuation three. Limits of individuation of the living central characteristic of the being nature of the collective. So the theory does not suppose that all vital functions merge together and are identical. It tends to designate all these functions by the operation of individuation that they carry out. Thus, individuation would be a much more general and widespread operation than what is usually considered as an individuation. The fact that the living being is a separate individual the majority of species is nothing but the consequence of the operation of individuation. Ontogenesis is an individuation, but it is not the only individuation that is carried out in the living being, or that takes the living being as a basis and incorporates it. To live consists in being agent, milieu, an element of individuation. Perceptive, active, and adaptive behaviors are aspects of the fundamental and perpetuated operation of individuation that constitutes life. According to such a conception, in order to think the living being, life must be thought as a transductive, rejective operation, self-individuation, or, better yet, as an interlinking of successive resolutions, insofar as each previous resolution can be taken back up and reincorporated in subsequent resolutions. In this sense, we could consider that life in its entirety seems like a progressive construction of increasingly elaborate forms, i.e., for example, uh, forms capable of containing increasingly elevated problems. The vital axiomatic is complicated and reached through evolution. Evolution is not a perfecting, properly speaking, but an integration, the maintenance of metastability that increasingly settles on itself and thereby accumulates potentials, assembles, uh, and assembles the structures and functions. Individuation as a generative of perishable individuals submitted to aging and to death is only one of the aspects of this generalizing uh, neutonizing vital vital individuation that incorporates an increasingly rich axiomatic. In fact, the individual as a limited being submitted to the here and now and the precariousness of its isolated condition expresses the fact that it remains as something unsolved of in the vital problematic. It is because life is the resolution of problems that remains something residual a detritus that cannot take on signification, a remainder after all the operations of individuation. What remains in the old being is what has been unable to integrate it and uh, the unassimilated. From the apparent before individuation to the uh, something apparent afterlife, from the undermined, undermined of the before to the under, undetermined of the after, from the first dust to the last dust, an operation is carried out that does not break down into dust. Life is in its present, in its resolution, not in, in its remainder. 
And death exists for the living being in two senses that do not coincide. It's a hostile death, that of the rupture of the metastable equilibrium, which is only maintained through its own functioning, and it's a capacity of ongoing resolution. This death construes the very precariousness of individuation. It's a confrontation with the conditions of the world, the fact that it is engaged and takes risks and cannot always succeed. Life is like a pool's problem that may not be resolved and may not may be resolved badly. The axiomatic class is in the very course of the resolution of the problem, a certain risk or happen, happenstance from outside the fool exists in every life. The individual is not self-enclosed and there is no destiny contained in it. For what it resolves is simultaneously the world and itself, the system of the world and itself. Or, uh, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's fine to stop there um, because the next paragraph is uh, a long one as well. So yeah, let's, let's stop there. Um, uh, yeah, so there's, there's a lot in this, um, this long paragraph here. So here we, uh, the last few subsections or the, the last um, bit that we've been reading, we, we've looked at um, the sort of biology of individuation. So the, the different forms of individuation that appear in different living organisms. And we, we just had um, a bit on the psychology of individuation or um, the relation between individuation and behavior. Um, but now we're turning to um, more strictly philosophical um, reflections on individuation. Uh, so here, um, yeah, so that this that we're still talking about uh, the individuation of living beings, um, but uh, at a, a very abstract level. Um, so um, life for Simon Don um, has to do always with resolving problems. Uh, so. We, we should always think of that example of, of the, the two retinal images um, as, uh, as an example of a problem. The, the problem is resolved by invention, by um, the appearance of this new uh, third dimension of, of depth in, uh, in visual perception. Uh, but, that, but we should take that as a, a model for other um, living uh, problem uh, problem solving. So life as a whole consists in uh, solving problems through something like an invention of a, a new dimension. In relation to um, to uh, individuation, there's uh, there's also um, there there are these two notions of death uh, or two different ways in which death. Um, appears in relation to a, an individuated being. Uh, and so we, we've only seen the first one so far, and we'll, we'll see the second one in the next paragraph. Um, but uh, the first one is, um, so the first notion of death is um, the, the notion of death um, insofar as it has to do with um, the, the ongoing process of individuation and the, the um, the failures of resolution of problems. So insofar as a living being is just um, uh, uh, solving problems, um, some, some of those problem-solving operations will, will fail or will be, some of those problems will be solved badly. Um, 
and and so death is just uh is just sort of the the uh result of this uh failure to um to to solve those problems in an adequate way so it, it's it, it this notion of death is a sort of external notion of uh of death um insofar as it has to do with the the problems that are presented to a, an organism uh by its environment um and uh, uh so it, it's insofar as an organism is not capable of uh of solving those problems that it that it dies or that it's uh it's subject to death um but we'll see another notion of of death in the next paragraph as well i think this part is like particularly the, the end of the uh chapter is uh great i mean the individual is not self-included there is no destiny contained in it for what it resolves simultaneously the world and itself the system of the world itself what I understood from this line is that uh, I, mean, I, I didn't read the next part, but maybe like it just remind, reminded me of the collective individuation. So what really interested me was from the, uh, the Simundong's introduction, I mean, the, I forgot the, 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 the author, the, the American guy, I'm, I can't remember the name, but then the point is that the death is not the uh, death, I mean the end, and then it can be shared uh, people who 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 live i mean uh and then it just can as far as I mean, can be regenerated on people's memory or in other form. maybe this idea is linked to the clock of individuation um yes we we when when we get to that part uh on collective individuation, we'll see um that he does talk about something like what remains after death of a of a person, um, and uh, and so he 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 uh, cites Spinoza. Spinoza has this um, wonderful line about how um, we we sense and we experience that we are eternal, um, and and uh, uh, so Simon Don says, says that this is this is right. We we do have this eternal. Um, aspects to to us insofar as uh insofar as we uh we can be sort of incorporated into the ongoing individuation process of other people um you know through uh through uh collective individuation as, as you uh pointed to so um there's something of the individual that survives death uh insofar as they're sort of um Kept alive in a way by the the other people that uh, that surround them, and uh, yeah, so there's a, a close relationship between um, between the the understanding of death uh, in in the individual and uh, collective individuation. Um, okay, we can go on to the next uh, paragraph and the next uh, notion of of death. If uh, someone else would like to read uh, a paragraph. So we're starting from the bottom of 237 here. But death also exists for the individual in another sense. The individual is not pure interiority. It is burdened with the weight of the residues of its operations. It is passive by itself. It is to itself its own exteriority. Its activity weighs it down, charges it with an unusable determination, an indetermination in stable equilibrium whose nature is exhausted, 
deprived of potentials and can no longer be the basis for new individuations. The individual little by little takes on elements of stable equilibrium that charge it and prevent it from going down, from going toward new individuations. The entropy of the individuated system increases throughout the successive operations of individuation, particularly in those that are not constructive. The results of the past that lack potential accumulate without becoming the seeds for new individuations. This heatless dust and this unenergized accumulation are the rise of passive death within the being, a, a death which does not originate from confronting the world, but from the convergence of internal transformations. Uh, oops. It can never, it can nevertheless be wondered if aging is not the counterpart of ontogenesis. Tissues that are cultivated in vitro and transplanted frequently enough to never yield large masses live indefinitely. It is generally said that these tissues owe their unlimited longevity to the fact that transplantation prevents the accumulation of toxic waste products within the ensemble of the living matter. But it can also be noted that transplantation always maintains the portion of living tissue in a state of undifferentiated growth. As soon as the portion is large enough, it differentiates, and the differentiated tissues die after a certain period of time. However, differentiation is a structuration and a functional specialization. It is the resolution of a problem, whereas the undifferentiated growth of frequently transplanted tissues takes place before any individuation on the level of the portion. Perpetual transplantation always brings the tissue back to the same point in its evolution as an ensemble that can be the support of an individuation. The tissue's longevity is no doubt due to this, this absence of individuation. There is an iteration of the growth process, an externally provoked iteration. The fact that a large enough ensemble differentiates and dies seems to show that every differentiation leaves behind a certain residue that cannot be eliminated and places a burden on the individual, thereby diminishing the chances for future individuations. Aging is indeed the lesser capacity of renewal, as studies of the healing of wounds show. The individual that is structured and specializes its organs or its automatic habitual frameworks becomes increasingly less capable of recreating new structures if the old ones are destroyed. It is, it's as though the majority of initial potentials proceed by diminishing and the inertia of the being preceded by increasing. The being's viscosity increases through the effects of individuating maturation. This increase in inertia, rigidity, and viscosity is apparently compensated by the increasingly pronounced richness of the acquired arrangements, i.e. of adaptation. But adaptation is precarious in the sense that if the milieu is modified, new problems may not be resolved. Then the previously elaborated structures and functions will encourage an unhelpful iteration. In this sense, the fact that the individual is not eternal seems like something that should not be considered accidental. Life in its entirety can be considered a transductive series. Death as the final event is nothing but the consummation of a process of amortization that is con contemporary with each vital individuation insofar as there are operations of individuation. Every operation of individuation deposits death in the individuated being, which is therefore progressively charged with something it cannot eliminate. This amortization is different from the degradation of the organs. It is essential to the activity of individuation. The being's inborn indetermination is little by little replaced by the indetermination of the past, deprived of tension, a pure inert charge. The being goes from the plurality of initial potentials to the indistinct and homogeneous unity of ultimate dissolution across successive structurations of metastable equilibria. Individuated structures and functions make the two indeterminations between which life is inserted communicate. Uh, so again, we have a, a long paragraph with 
um, a lot in it. But the so this is the the second um, the second notion of death. Oh, hi, Angus. So we have uh, the first notion of death was the one uh, in the previous paragraph where you have um, death through um, uh, the incapacity to solve problems uh, and the uh, uh, or the um, the failure to solve problems uh, that are posed by the environment. Uh, here, the second sense of death is uh, uh, an internal sense of, of death. Death in this sense is something that arises through the, the way that the organism uh, is, is uh, no longer capable of undergoing further individuation. So the, the potentials that it has uh, at the start of its life have been exhausted and it, um, it, uh, the organism is no longer capable of undergoing further transformation. Uh, and so this is, um, uh, here we can think of uh, uh, death through old age. Um, he, he specifically mentions aging as the, uh, aging as the, the process through which an organism uh, loses its capacity to undergo differentiation and to undergo individuation. Um, and uh, this, uh, this capacity for renewal or for self-transformation is, is lost over time so that the, the individual ends up, uh, ends up being uh, incapable of undergoing further transformation. Uh, and so that's what death in this sense consists in is, is the, the sort of buildup of, uh, uh, of inertia or uh, this uh, uh, depletion of the capacity to undergo further transformation. Yeah, there's something we can, uh, you can take a look at that after we're, um, after we're done uh, here today, but there's a, one of the footnotes in this paragraph. Um, he just brings up the example of, uh, in the case of uh, a tree, uh, the the tree is capable of, uh, in it, when it's a young tree, the tree is capable of um, restructuring its growth uh, so that if, uh, if uh, say, one of the, the large branches of the tree is broken off, the, the tree will um, restructure its growth to rebalance around the, 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 the trunk. Um, uh, so other branches will, will change their direction of growth so that the tree remains balanced. Um, whereas an older tree um, is still uh, is still capable of uh, it's still alive it still grows new leaves and and uh, uh, you know performs all the functions of life but it's no longer capable of uh, of that restructuration of growth so that if one of its branches is broken off it it will just um, persist in a, a unbalanced state so yeah we have the same. Uh, we have an aging process in, in the case of uh, trees, just like in the case of animals. Um, okay, so let's go on to the next paragraph on 239. Uh, someone would like to read from If the Individual. If the individual has meaning, it is uh, certainly not just in terms of the being's tendency to persevere in its uh, being. The individual being is uh, transductive, not substantial. And the being's tendency to persevere in its being seeks the equivalence of a substance 
socialization even of the individual is only composed of modes. In fact, the meaning of the living being cannot be found in its unconditional integration into the species. The species is a reality that is as abstract as the individual would be if it were taken as substance. Between the substantialization of the individual being and its absorption in the superior continuum of the species wherein it is like the leaves of a tree, according to the expression that Schopenhauer has taken up from Homer, the race of men is related to that of leaves. There is possibility of grasping the individual insofar as it is limited as one of the sides of essential vital individuation. The individual is a transductive reality. Through the span of its active existence in the temporal dimension, it increases life's capacity to solve problems. The individual bears an axiomatic, or rather a dimension of the vital axiomatic, the evolution of individuation, this binding of a functional structuration and of an amortization paired to uh, get together, together and constituting each active and perceptive operation transforms the individual into a being that translates uh, potential which are incompatible with one another into a metastable equilibria that can be maintained by means of successive inventions. Like any transductive series, the individual's existence must be grasped within its milieu in order to be comprehended in its full uh, reality. The complete individual is not merely the being that goes from its birth, to its death, it is essentially the being of maturity with the status of existence that is between two extremes and that gives meaning to the two extremes, birth and death and then ontogenesis and destruction, which are anabolic uh, processes and catabolic processes are extremes relative uh, to the center of maturity. The real individual is the mature individual, the median individual. The individual continues the maturity, not by, again, becoming eternally young or transmutating beyond an ultimate death. The individual corresponds to its function most fully in its center of existence via these individuations that resolve the world and resolve the individuated being. Young and old, the individuated being is isolated, mature. It is structured in the world and structures the world within it. The structures and functions of the mature individual link it back to the world and insert it into becoming. Significations are not like individuated beings. They are not contained or enclosed in an individual circumference that would degrade only realized significations. The paired structures and functions of the mature individual surpass the here and now of the individuated being, the mature individual. The one that resolves perceptive worlds into action is also the one that participates in the collective and creates it. The collective exists as the individuation of the charges of nature transported by individuals. What accumulates this translation of the structures and functions elaborated by the individuated being 
is not just the species as a film, but also the collective unity of the being. It could be said that a second birth in which the individual participates is that of the collective, which incorporates the individual itself and constitutes the amplification of the schema that it bears. The individual is translated into the collective as an effectuated signification, as a resolved uh, problem. An information, it is therefore prolonged across and above, but not in its individuated enclosure. With respect to its discovered signification, the individual is itself in the here and now, a progressive amortization, a detritus, and it inc incrementally detaches from the moment of life, movement of life. The, the individual is neither complete nor substantial. The individual has no meaning except an individuation, and through individuation which, which deposits it and stores it as much as it assumes it by way of participation. Individuation does not merely occur in the individual and for it, it occurs uh, around it and above it. The individual is translated through its center of existence, converted into signification, perpetuated in information, whether implicit or explicit, vital or cultural, thereby waiting on successive individuals to reach maturity and resume the signs of information left behind. By their predecessors, the individual encounters life in its maturity, unless she is not merely internal or personal, it is individuation in accordance to, with a collective. Lucretius uh, represents living beings as relay runners. The past on tortures, this is no doubt how he understands the flame of life given to birth, at birth. But this can also be understood as what is passed on to the interior of the collective recreated and uh, renewed through time by its successive individuals. I'm going to stop here. Yeah, yeah, you can stop here. Yeah, the, the paragraph was on for another page, uh, two, two and a half pages. <laughs> so yeah, we, we can stop here for sure. Uh, thank you. Uh, am I too slow? No, 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 it's just good. Um, it, it's just that this is a, an extremely long paragraph. So here we're talking about um, the relationship between the individual. Uh, so what sort of meaning the individual has in relation to death. Uh, and so he, he um, points to Schopenhauer here. Um, and I, I don't really know Schopenhauer very well, but um, I know that Schopenhauer um, um, has this notion that uh, the species is... Uh, is um, in some sense, more fundamental than the individual, um, so that in in death the individual disappears, uh, whereas the species remains uh, through uh, um, through reproduction. So the the species is what persists through time, whereas the individual disappears. Um, uh, and Simon Don um, wants to. Um, so he, he, he sets out sort of two different extremes and he wants to find a position between those extremes. So the one hand would be, um, on the one hand would be the substantialization of the individual being. So uh, treating the individual um, as, uh, as 
uh, a substance that um, persists through time uh, and the individuation of, of the individual being would be its, uh, its identity through time. Uh, so on the one hand, this substantialization, and then on the other hand, this notion of Schopenhauer uh, that would absorb the individual into the species. And so the species would be what is substantial and that remains through time, whereas the individual uh, is uh, um, uh, just disappears um, in death. And uh, so Simon Don wants to find something that is sort of intermediate between these two notions. Um, uh, and so he describes it as um, a possibility of grasping the individual insofar as it is limited as one of the sides of essential vital individuation. Individuation is uh, is sort of intermediate between um, the the vital individual itself and its absorption into the species in the sense that um, the the process of individuation includes both the individual and something that is not individual. Um, so in in the process of individuation, you have both the the organism. Uh, as well as its uh, milieu, which does not undergo individuation um, or, or which uh, has not been individuated. Um, and and um, we have to understand, so for, for Simon Don, we have to understand the, um, um, the uh, uh, dispersal or the... Um, uh, fanning out through time of the individual, so the the fact that an individual is born uh, and and then has a, a youth and then maturity uh, and then old age and then death, um, the fact that it, the individual is spread out through time, we have to understand this as a transductive series. Um, so uh, there's a sort of uh, structuring, a temporal structuring of uh, the individual's lifespan, um, and. Uh, uh, we have to understand, uh, we have to grasp that, that transductive series uh, through its middle point or, or from its middle, middle point. Um, uh, and, and so that's in the case of the, the living individual, that, that's maturity. Um, so the, the mature individual is, um, it's not just, uh, um, it's not just sort of one stage in the, the process of, uh, of individuation or in this transductive series, the, the mature individual is the, the complete, uh, complete individual. It's the individual in which the um, capacities are at their, at their greatest um, so that um, the, yeah, the, the individual is, um, is itself it, to the greatest extent uh, in that mature stage. Um, so it's insofar as an, as an individual is mature, it's, uh, it has its greatest degree of reality. Um, and um, yeah, so the, the young, uh, the juvenile form or the, uh, the uh, old form of the individual is um, uh, in some sense isolated from the world it's uh, it no longer either it, it doesn't yet have the capacity to act on the world uh, the uh, in the young form it doesn't have the capacity to act on the world yet uh, and in the old form it no longer has the capacity um, to act on the world but um, they 
in the in the case of the mature organism uh, or the mature stage of, of the lifespan of the of the individual it uh, it has its greatest capacity to um, to act on the world so it, it's um, it exists in a, a structured world in the sense that uh, it's a world that um, presents itself to the organism as uh, uh, being capable of being acted upon. So that's the the sense here of the this passage, the structures and functions of the mature individual link it back to the world and insert it into becoming. Um, so the, the mature individual is the one who is uh, capable of um, uh, grasping potentialities of the world and uh, acting on them. Uh, so transforming the world in, in uh, a certain way. I think this part really uh, stresses the, the, the potential and then the capacity of the uh, transformation, not only uh, of an individual, but also its environment, so milieu at the same time. And then I think it's Mungdung really, really wants to extend um, an individual's life and then things to the, the collective level. So, so in that sense, the death of an individual is not the end. It's coming up again, like with the, the uh, interconnection with the, uh, another individuation of another individual, so, such and such. And then, and then, in a way, like the previous part, I mean, uh, where, I mean, where, uh, I mean, the witchy L read, the, uh, but in terms of, the, actually, it hasn't really little to do with uh, difference repetition, but in a way, what I got from difference repetition of Deleuze, um, the repetition is not the repetition, it always like uh, creates difference and then it makes something go on. Uh, I mean, singularity, particularity, multiplicity, and so on. So here, an individual in its, his or her life span, the singularity of particularity can be generated and it can be passed on and it can also influence its milieu and then it, everything can go on like with those um, metabolism or mechanism, whatever. So the, the point, what I understood from the, these two parts, I mean, part, part, I mean, it's all, is so the, the meaning of death. I mean, the, what, what Simung Dong wants to emphasize is from the discussion of, about death. So as not the, like a, the determin, a termination of the life, but it's a kind of part of a collective reality, something like that. And it's part of like a collective potential. Um, yeah. That, yeah. There's so there's definitely um, as we discussed a little bit earlier. There's definitely um, uh, uh, a relationship between um, death and collective individuation. Um, insofar as um, collective individuation allows for something like uh, a survival beyond death, um, but um, here he he wants to look at. So he he does mention this. Um, collective individuation as a kind of second birth, uh, as he puts it here. So um, uh, 
the um, uh, the the living organism um, uh, through through its uh, participation in the collective uh, has a sort of second birth, um, um, and and so it it sort of persists at the at the stage of uh, of uh, youth or uh, maturity. But um, he also here wants to look at um, the structure of life, uh, the lifespan. Um, and uh, in particular, he wants to emphasize the the way that the um, the way that the the notion of uh, maturity or or the the stage of maturity, I should say, um, the stage of maturity is uh, the fullest realization of an individual um, in, in over the course of its lifespan, and, and so um, it's only because uh, an individual uh, has this. Uh, so yeah, it's only it's only because an individual um, can reach that stage of maturity that it can realize uh, the the maximum of of its potentials. Um, uh, so the yeah, at the, at the stage of maturity, the organism is capable of the greatest um, action, the greatest. Um, uh, transformation of its environment, um, and uh, so maturity is is sort of the the central point of life, um, and and so when we understand the individual, we we should understand that individual uh, as a mature individual. Um, that's the the um, sort of key moment of an individual's lifespan, uh, and and so he also wants to set out this this grasping of, of the individual uh, in its maturity. He, he wants to contrast this with um, Schopenhauer's conception uh, where the individual is uh, just sort of absorbed into the species and uh, the, the actual um, the uh, particularity of the individual is, uh, is sort of um, uh, meaningless. For, for Schopenhauer. Um, and so for Simon Don, when we want to think about the meaning of life or um, the capacity for a life to be meaningful, we have to think of the um, stage of maturity as the, um, uh, the stage in which uh, a living being has the greatest, um, the greatest capacity uh, to, to perform actions. So I, I meant to ask a question about the maturity, the word, actually, you were explained and it was quite helpful. And then kind of like a silly question, like then um, each individual can get to their maturity. I, it's, I mean, but here maturity means like you said the point somebody can, um, can, how do I say it, like, the perform like his or her potential in full, full, full extent. But the uh, maybe like a lot of people can 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 do it or not do it. I mean, do not do not do it, right? Like it's not something general, right? Like in reality. Um. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think. Um. I think it. It's. 
it seems like it should be possible uh, on Simono's account, it should be possible for someone to never reach maturity. Um, you can you can sort of um, stay in a juvenile state if you never actually exercise your um, capacity to to perform action. Um, uh, so you you are always um, sort of stuck in a in a juvenile state and you never actually reach maturity. Um, I think that that uh, is something that Simondo would would think makes sense. Um, so in that sense, uh, yeah, not not everyone necessarily reaches a stage of maturity in their lifespan, um, uh, and uh, it could be um, relatively rare as well. It could be something that uh, only a, a small number of people actually achieve maturity in the the full sense of the of the term. Actually, uh, regarding that issue, like, uh, it was a silly question, but in a way, like, it inspired me to think this, uh, another one, like, the, uh, a couple of uh, lines up there, uh, for example, like, uh, what accumulates this translation of the structures and the functions elaborated by the individuated being is not just the species as a violent, but also the collective unit of a being, something like that. So, in a way, like, uh, Immature, immature people could make a, a poisonous influence, like a, a bad influence on uh, their milieus. And then uh, Sibongjong's theory like gave me some uh, idea of positive idea, like optimistic idea. Uh, maybe perhaps like a human beings the potential it should be emphasized and then you can go forward to something optimistic. But reading this part makes me think that uh, maybe some people contribute to negative influence, so-called negative influence. It, of course, it, it, we should define what negative influence, but the, by doing that, history, bad history repeats again. I mean, things like that. I mean, that the uh, human history goes like something to the something optimistic, like we, I mean, kind of like they make a balance, like at the end of the day, like a zero point going to do towards zero point, that they are something, something, something better, but they are something neutral, I mean, the plus minus zero, something like that. Um, yeah, I think, um, hmm. So yeah, there, there are a few different things uh, in that in your your comment. Um, so the the idea that um, because our um, maturity is in some way related to collective individuation, um, that we could have uh, something like um, uh, that other people or or ourselves could have something like a negative influence on other people's maturity. Um, so that uh, you could undergo uh, um, a collective individuation with another person in such a way that you um, become less mature, or at least you um, uh, are sort of prevented from becoming more mature. Um, so that that seems plausible too. Um, I think that that makes sense. That um, um, uh, collective individuation shouldn't be understood as something like uh, essentially positive or, or necessarily positive. Um, 
uh, it's possible to have a collective individuation, <clears throat> collective individuation that um, that has a, a negative impact on the individual um, that is uh, incorporated into that collective. Um, so, um, um, yeah, so maturity, uh, you know, with respect to maturity, you could have something like a, a, a group of, of friends who um, sort of hold each other back uh, with respect to maturity. They, they sort of bring out the worst in each other and uh, they don't, um, they don't uh, allow each other to become more mature. Uh, that, that seems like uh, something that, that probably happens in, in real life. Um, um, and uh, yeah, so then your your the other bit in your comments was about um, optimism and uh, um, you know in connection with Simon Don's account of uh, of the human lifespan. Um, and I think uh, yeah, I think his account of the human lifespan is uh, an optimistic one in in certain respects uh in the sense that he uh he wants to um find something like meaning or um uh meaningfulness to life uh in relation to maturity uh and uh also in the way that he uh as we'll see later on he how he um how he takes the individual um, to be uh, to have something eternal about them that that survives beyond their death in uh, through their participation in collective individuation. Um, so that that side we can describe as being optimistic. Uh, I think um, pretty straightforwardly, um, but uh, there's also what could be considered pessimistic or um, or at least less optimistic in the sense that he, um, as we saw uh, just a couple paragraphs ago um, about how death uh, is a, it's a sort of um, uh, internal product of individuation so that um, the living being uh, brings about its own death through its uh, individuation. So life itself brings about its own death. Um, and uh, um, so there's this, uh, I guess, um, negative or maybe not negative, but um, uh, there's a certain finitude to um, to individuation in the sense that it's it's always um, uh, in in the case of living individuation, at least it's always um, it's always bringing about its own death. Uh, in the process of individuation. So life consists of nothing but individuation, but then in that individuation, it's also bringing about its own death. Um, so uh, there's a certain um, inescapability of, of death, even though um, on the other hand, we, we have this eternal aspect. Um, we uh, at the same time are, are also, um, um, we, we can't escape death through this uh, in this eternal aspect. We, we're still um, mortal beings. Yeah, just, just like uh, the Nazism, like uh, people who uh, collaborated with Nazis, that could be like uh, the active point of collectivity. 
maybe. And then I just like glanced, I mean, quickly looked at the next part. Maybe we are going to like uh, read and discuss next part. And then it has, it seems to have more talk about maturity. So here, maturity itself is not the uh, positive, just positive, but it could be a uh, negative at the same time. Like it's quite interesting. Like, yeah, the, the, uh, the Nazi party would be a, an instance of um, collective individuation that has a, a profoundly negative sense uh, so that um, you have a, um, a collective individuation that's dedicated to, to death rather than to something like life or to, um, to a, a new creation or something along those lines. Um, so yeah, that, that's... Uh, that's sort of what I was pointing to when I mentioned that um, we shouldn't think of collective individuation as something that is necessarily positive or that has a, a like a, an essential positivity to it. Um, there, there's also this capacity for collective individuation in the service of, of death and in the service of uh, negativity. So we're, we're pretty much at time. Um, so I don't think we should go on to the next bit of the paragraph. So we'll start from, uh, so maybe, maybe one last bit is, is just um, what, what Ali has posted in the chat here about Lucretius um, before, we, before we go. So, that, um, so for Lucretius, um, Lucretius talks about, uh, um, well, he, he's a, a, an Epicurean, and so um, he's sort of devoted to um, uh, depicting death as something that is not uh, um, an obstacle to living a good life. Um, um, and, and so there's the famous argument that, um, you know, where, where death is, I am not, and where I am, death is not. So um, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be concerned about death because uh, when we're dead, we, we just won't exist. So there's, no, there's nothing to worry about. Um, uh, and uh, um, Simon Don will will look at um, the way that that Lucretius talks about um, talks about life as a or or the the relationship between generations as a relay race. So there's a a, a torch of life or a, a, a flame of life that's passed from one generation to the next, and each one picks up the torch and carries at a certain distance, and then. Uh, um, passes it on to the next generation um and uh um yeah so we'll we'll talk about that um that metaphor uh next time and and how simondo wants to uh interpret it and um how it fits in with his account of uh the span of life yeah thanks uh, thanks everyone for um for joining in I, I was a little bit worried at the beginning that we might uh, not have anyone show up but i'm glad that we had uh, uh at, least, at least a few people today um uh thanks for your contributions and uh see you all next week <laughs>